It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm really looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Bill Kasky. Bill is host, or co-host actually, of the long-running popular weekly podcast, The Advanced Selling Podcast, as well as author of multiple books on sales, including most recently, Make Your Sales Team Unstoppable, a systematic method for creating an unstoppable sales team in a competitive market. And he is as well president of Kasky Training, a sales training firm based in Indianapolis. All right, there, big background. Bill, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, I appreciate you, man. You do great work, and I've listened to your podcasts, and I'm really honored to be on. Well, thank you. I'm honored to have you on the show. So, um, gosh, what was what was the impetus for starting your podcast? Well, we had, we had a radio show here in Indianapolis on a little 5,000-watt station at noon on Saturday. And I don't know if you know anything about AM radio, but in Indianapolis, noon on Saturday, not probably like afternoon drive. Not, not a lot of listeners. No, everybody's, so, everybody's at a football game or something. What's that? Everybody's at a football game or something. Yeah, yeah. And couple that with the fact that my co-host, Brian Neal, was a football official, Big Ten football official. So in the fall, I was doing it by myself. He wasn't even there. (laughs) So we decided that, you know, there's got to be a better way. We need to get this out. And and that was about the time that it was Internet audio at the time. Internet audio was interesting to us. And then podcasting and, and RSS feeds, which we could never figure out. But it's a lot easier now. And so we've been doing it for 10 years. It's our 10th anniversary. We've got 400 shows uh, in the in the pipeline, in the archive, and uh, we just love it. it. Gives us a chance to talk to people around the world and also listen to people. We get a lot of emails, a lot of voicemails. So it's really been a great uh, great experience. Well, so between your podcast and the work you do, working with with companies and sales leaders, sum it up. You know, what's the biggest challenge you see that sales leaders are facing today? I mean, where do they need the most help? Are you talking sales managers? Or are you talking sales professionals? Sales leaders, sales managers. Okay. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest challenge is that a lot of the sales leaders I see came from sales. And so they are bringing, they are bringing with them to the management role the same, um, and I, I will say this, the same old mentality that they used when they were in sales. And I think that the challenge today is how do I build, inspire, and keep a, a great sales force? That's why I wrote the book Unstoppable, because I think a sales force should be unstoppable. But guess whose role that is to make them that way? Well, it's the sales managers. So, you know, it's, it's part inspiration. It's part babysitting. It's part marketing. I think great sales managers today have, have adopted a marketing mindset, not just a cold call mindset. And uh, those doing it right, I think, are, are weaving in marketing uh, principles and tactics in with their sales um, skill training to really make great sales forces. So give me an example of the marketing mindset that they bring. <clears throat> well, I've got a, a manager who runs a group of about 25 people, and he is having them all, in fact, they're in the, in the process right now of building three-minute videos that they can send out to prospects prior to meetings. So now when a prospect books a meeting, they send an email that says, here, by the way, here's a a very quick video I I do, or I did, that will help you understand what we'll be talking about, how we'll, we'll, the kinds of questions I'll be asking, 
And so they will send that out in advance. And so now that that becomes a, a precursor to their meeting. And so now that when you, they walk in the room for the first call, the person has seen them on video. They've seen them on screen. They feel like, you know, this person has a little bit, it's positioned better than just a salesperson who merely shows up. Yeah, so I mean, that's personal branding, of, right? It's personal branding, exactly. And I don't know why companies are so so reluctant to do that. It's just, it works so well, and maybe it works well because nobody's doing it, or very few. But companies, for some reason, are reluctant to do that. Well, what if the salesperson leaves? Well, if the salesperson leaves, guess what? We take their video down. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so um, I think personal branding, especially in those sales organizations where the salesperson really matters, meaning if it's an inside salesperson who's do, doing nothing but taking orders, ah, that doesn't matter. But if it's a sales professional who's going out on the street, um, being an expert, positioning themselves as someone who has knowledge, then I think there are other things that a person can be doing to position themselves better. Yeah, and I would say that even in the inside sales role, if you have an account executive, not the sales development rep that's that's out making the phone calls to set up the appointment, but if you're account exec and you don't get out in the field that often, I think it's a great differentiator to be able to send something like that. I mean, it's, it is the personal branding. You're establishing your platform to some degree. I think it would be very valuable for them, too. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And we've got one uh, client who their customer service person who does all of the new orders She's now doing a video, a custom video for every new client, and they don't have that many, maybe one or two a week. Mm -hmm. She does a custom video where she says, hi, Andy, this is Danielle Smith at the company, and I just want to tell you we got your order, and she holds it up and kind of has some fun with it. It's right here. It's in process. I want you to commit to me that if there's any problem, you call me. I mean, and people love it. She's A, she's attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, B, she has her little mini studio set up. She's got a light, so it really looks like a professionally done video, and all it is is, a, is an iPhone. But, um, but that's a touch. That's just a little touch of something extra that I think people could do. Well, I think it plays into what I talk about a lot in, in my work, is that you don't have to be 20% better or 25% or 50% better than your competition. The difference is 1% or 2%. Yeah. It's the small things that really set you apart from your competitors that's a perfect example of something that's very powerful and memorable. Yeah, you know, we always talk about how, oh, we're customer service oriented and we love our customers and we want to serve our customers. And yet I don't see, I don't see that playing out so much. I hear us talking, I don't mean us like you and I, but I hear companies talking about that. But then when you say, well, why don't we have a video that uh, introduces the inside account manager who maybe they'll never meet? Uh, oh, you know, it's a lot of work. And, well, okay, so... I think that serves the customer better, actually. It's not about you, the company. It's about serving your customer, giving your customer a name and a face and a personality that they're going to be dealing with. I think that's huge. That's very huge. I, I harken back. I've told the story before of a big client that was coming to visit me. This was you know, multiple decades ago. Uh, our biggest customer shows up, and we're a tech startup, and we're all dressed in suits and ties as he walks in the door. And the first thing he says, he doesn't introduce himself or do anything. He says, where's Eileen? And we're sitting there with the CEO and myself, and we look around, look at each other, and you mean Eileen in customer service? He goes, yeah. And so we, we walk, and he follows us up the stairs, walk down the hallway to Eileen's cubicle, and he stops and he points to my CEO and points to Eileen and says, this is why we buy from you. Wow. Wow, that is great. So they're just to, to supplement your story, that's the importance of having... You know, if in the day, if we'd been able to do that video, it would have been even more powerful. But 
Yeah. Know, she was the reason people were buying from us. So you talked about the you know, problem with managers, newly promoted managers coming out of sales. But one of the problems that, and carrying their baggage with them, now, but one of the issues I'm seeing with sales managers is that, especially in some of the tech companies, but not exclusively, is, is they're putting a lot of people on the frontline sales management who have never sold. And so one of the problems we see is that in terms of coaching their, their people, they tend to focus more on the metrics than on the things that actually get the orders done. Huge problem. Huge so how, do, problem. How, do, how do you reconcile that with the companies you work with? Well, uh, the, I think the idea here is that when we focus on outputs and not on inputs, we're focusing on things that are byproducts than things we can't control. So mm-hmm. if I've got a million dollar quota and, uh, and I, you know, a lot of times I'm sure you run into it, you say, well, yeah, he did a business plan. Well, what was on his business plan? Well, his quota for this year. Well, what was the plan? Well, there was really no plan. It was just a number. Well, that's not a plan. And to me, that idea of what are the inputs? You know, I even think that how, how a salesperson uh, is inside their own skin is a part of the input. You know, mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. show up for a meeting, do they, can they be present with another human being and, and be in the conversation and be curious and care? Or do they only see that customer as a, as a means to their end, which is a sale? And, and I know people will hear that and say, well, you know, but companies run on numbers. Yeah, but I can cite many instances where if we pay attention to the inputs, the outputs rise dramatically. But when we don't pay attention to the inputs and all it is is metrics and, well, what'd you do for me this quarter? People leave. People don't. People are tired of that. People don't want that. And I've got a manager I just talked to yesterday, a leader of a $50 million branch of a pretty good-sized company. And, man, to hear him talk, you, it's like I would love to work with this guy. This guy says, you know what, I pay attention to the numbers, but I pay more attention to the well-being of my people. And how are you feeling? How are you doing? What, what can I help you with? What are you struggling with? And I've talked to his people, and they're like, yep, that's all he focuses on. His sales grow 15% every year. Well, I bet there's other companies that are focused only on the 15% that could care less about the inputs that don't grow. Right. Well, and this, so the shortage of coaching at the sort of fundamental frontline sales level is, is again, is something that's another pervasive trend that, that's very troubling is, is you know, I even encounter companies where they're letting their sales manager hire outside coaches to coach their salespeople. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, what's wrong with that? Because to me, the first responsibility, as you just said, of a sales manager is you're supposed to develop your people, coach your people, help them succeed. Yeah, I probably would uh, take a little issue with that, I guess, maybe because I'm in the coaching business. <laughs> um, but I do think that sometimes you can be a really good salesperson and a decent leader, but a terrible coach. And I always feel like, you know, a coach should be someone who really is unbiased to whether the person, in other words, if I'm, gonna, if I'm a sales manager and I'm coaching my people, I have a vested interest in them because I make more money when they make more money. And technically, that's not a good coach. A coach is someone who doesn't share in the profits, but only cares about the, the, the skill sets and the actions and the accountability of the person. So, but I do think you're right in that I don't think most sales leaders really know how to coach, not just coach deals, but coach on mentality. And we spent a lot of time on the podcast and in my work on the mindset. What's mm-hmm. the right mindset of a sales professional? And the right mindset is not you can sell to everybody. That's not the right mindset. That's a terrible mindset because A, you can't. B, you show up and all you are is a salesperson now. 
And so I think a lot of managers don't understand the finer points of psychology. So they end up just coaching on deals, which is not bad, but it, it leaves open the real big area of potential. And that is the mindset, the attitudes and things like that. So how do you work with teams to help them begin to understand that, especially managers? I mean, it's, it's start with theirs is because if they don't understand, they're not able to help communicate that to their, their sales reps that are out interfacing with the, the customers. Yeah, the way I uh, would do it is I always look at things, uh, I said inputs and outputs, but I, I like to even take it down further than that. I like the idea of there's the front stage and there's the backstage. And the front stage is everything that happens in the field, in front of prospects, in front of clients. Uh, you know, handling objections, positioning the product, crafting the message, how many calls do I make, what do I say when I make a call, those are all the mechanical parts. But the backstage is where all the action is. And that's the business plan, the personal business plan, it's getting your mind right, it's practicing so that when you get out in front of a prospect, that's a big thing, I don't know if you see it or not, is we don't practice. And when, oh, I look yeah. at the, when I look at the top you know, the golfers, the performers, the artists, the singers. Uh, I bet you Beyonce, Beyonce spends lots of time practicing. I bet she just doesn't go say, look, I've done this concert 50 times. I'm just going to go do it. No, she's in the studio after the concert, from what I hear, looking at the film. Mm -hmm. Just like the football team would. And so she's constantly working on her game. And I don't think salespeople typically do that. I think there's a lot of winging it. And I think managers would do very well if they said, okay, we're getting ready to go out and do a presentation. Let's do four, three or four dry run-throughs today from three to six or this afternoon. And I think you'd find all sorts of improvement points, but everybody's busy. Nobody has time to practice. We all have time to play the game, but not to practice the game. You know, it's sort of interesting because it, it sort of brings up another topic I was going to talk to you about later, which is, you know, people confuse the, uh, the important for the significant. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I'd interviewed a gentleman named Rory Vaden. I don't know if you know him. Last week, uh, wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose about how to multiply your time and be more productive. And he's saying, you know, you have to distinguish between what's doing what's important, which sort of has a near-term payoff, but what is significant in terms of the longer-term payoff. And yeah. that, that practice is, you know, putting money in the bank. You know, the better you get, that has a long-term payoff, just not on that deal, but on other deals. That's exactly, I love that. I'll, I'll get that book. That's exactly right. And you know, it's, it gets down to reps. When you work out, when you shoot free throws, it's just reps. It's reps. It's just constant repetition. And give me somebody who has practiced how to handle the money problem or the money question from a prospect a thousand times. I want him with me because he's going to be able to do it. It's going to be elegant. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be, uh, you know, articulate. But give me somebody who only, the only time he practices is when they're challenged with a money issue in front of the prospect, they're not going to handle it. Exactly. So I like rep. I like the idea. And I, I teach, we do a lot of role play. I have a group training program called the 2X group, which is a group of 10 salespeople who want to double their business. And we do a lot of practice. So I'd say, somebody says, okay, I'm getting ready to go out and see somebody. Here's what I think I'll do. I say, okay, let's role play it. I'm him. You're you. Let's go. And you know, it's a sign of uh, fear comes across their face, mm -hmm. but, but they do it, and then it's wrong, and they do it again, it gets better, and then by the third or fourth time, I say, that's it, babe, you've nailed it, and then they go away inspired because they say, yeah, now I'm going to get in that situation knowing I'm going to succeed, not exactly. winging it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great correlation between being prepared and minimizing the fear, 
And so if you have somebody that's call reluctance or, you know, is fearful about getting into any conversation with a prospect, that's the practice that takes that fear away. Exactly. The muscle memory. Our right. daughter is graduating from college this year. and uh, Congratulations. The, yeah, thanks. Uh, she's in the process of job search and, you know, she's a little reluctant. And uh, she doesn't. She's made a couple calls. She's had a couple interviews. And I said, you know, Kara, you need reps. You need. I would take an interview with anybody just for flipping practice. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, you're going to have an opportunity with a big company. If you have a practice, you're going to get your you're all squirrely and get all edgy and fearful, and you're not going to you're you're going to fail at it. So practice, practice on anything is just critical. Excellent. So, Bill, I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests, and uh, the first one is a hypothetical scenario. In this case, you've just been hired as the new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. And CEO wants them turned around quickly. So what two things could you do the first week that would have the biggest impact? I would uh, arrange a meeting with each of the salespeople and find out uh, what their personal goals are and how them working here is serving them to achieve their personal goals. So that'd be the first thing, because I think a lot of times we, we shoot blind at that. We don't really know what each person wants to accomplish in their life. We think it's all about money, and rarely is it. And then the second thing I would do is I would have them sell me, sell me the product that they are selling in the field and do mock practice calls, because I want to hear what they're saying. I want to hear their messaging. I want to hear how they say it. I want to hear how they ask questions. And I know that takes a lot of time, but you will learn so much about and you'll come out of those meetings saying, "My gosh, no wonder we're struggling. We're not even talk- we're not talking right about the product." Right. So those are the first two things I'd do. Excellent, great answer. Okay, got some rapid fire questions for you. Give me one word answers, or you can elaborate. First did you one send is- me these in advance? Did you send me these in advance? No, I never do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that would take all the fun out of it. So the first one is, <laughs> when you Bill Kasky are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, detachment. Um, I don't care. I don't care whether I sell it or not. I care about understanding the plight of the customer and of what they're going through and what they're trying to accomplish and their problems and frustrations in getting there. And I don't really care if they buy or not. Now, I, I don't. I don't mean that I don't care if they buy. I I fully care. Right. No, but I don't, I don't. If I care too much about me making the sale, I'm not really going to be listening to their issues. And so I don't, that's not a sales technique. It's just a way of being. I think the more detached you are, the better sales conversations you're going to have. And that's counterintuitive because we've been taught to be eager, to be enthusiastic. I think that's crap. I agree. Who's your sales role model? You. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. You can, you're, oh. you're invited back to the show. <laughs> Well, so much for that question. Yeah. Uh, sales role model. Um, I work with some people who are, uh, I work with a guy named Mike Williamson, who's with a company called Serona, and he's a VP of sales, but I watch him, how he interacts with his people. And, you know, even if you're in sales leadership, you're still selling. Mm-hmm. You're still selling ideas. You're still selling them. Sometimes as a leader, you're selling them on, on themselves. Exactly. And I watch the way he works a room, and I watch the, the, the presence that he has when he sits there and talks to people. He's not looking at his phone or his watch or anybody else. He is totally engaged. And I think that's a, I think we miss that a lot. I think it's, sometimes I think selling is just really simple. Just go in and pay attention to the person and 
don't worry about whether you sell them or not. So right. I, he's my role model. Right, and listen without judgment. Yes. As you said, be detached. Listen without judgment. Yeah. All right, besides any of your own, what's one book every salesperson should read? Uh, one book every salesperson should read is on my bookshelf here, and it's called What to Do When It's Your Turn. And it's by Seth Godin. Yep. And I love everything Seth does, but it's a very unique book, and it's about you having to take responsibility for your future and not relying on the company or on your manager or on your peers. It's really a book on when it's your turn to excel, will you be ready? Love it. And I love that book. All right, last question for you. What music's on your playlist these days? Wow. Oh, I love I love the the 70s. <laughs> I love uh, when I when I do Pandora, I always pick like uh, Neil Diamond or uh, the Four Tops or the Temptations. I was a big I loved soul music back mm -hmm. in the 70s. And uh, so I'd say probably Al Green. Oh yeah. All those kinds of early 70s soul and then classic rock uh, and then the individual, Neil Diamond, Jim Croce, those guys. So I'm, I'm a relic. I'm a relic, Andy. Yeah, me too. Good stuff, though. Great stuff. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for being my guest today, Bill. So tell people how they can find out more about you. Yeah, best way, you know, we have a podcast, as Andy referenced, but the best way to find out more about all the things we do, go to Bill Kasky, C-A-S-K-E-Y.com. It's a blog that I run, uh, publish every week, and then also all the podcasts and free videos and all sorts of uh, PDF downloads are there, too. So I'd love to have some of your listeners uh, come visit. I, I, I encourage them to do so. It's a great podcast and great resources on his website. So again, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Andy. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, listening on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Bill Kasky who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. <laughs>